I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading 2 Samuel chapters 16 through 18. Now, the writer of Chronicles didn't write any parallel text concerning the incidents uh, when David was on, on the run from his son Absalom. So 2 Samuel chapter 16 through 18, they have no parallel in Chronicles. In the first four verses right here, we have um, a report of Ziba. And let's read about him, verse 1. And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be fain in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertaineth unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. Now, in 2 Samuel chapter 15, we see David and his people leaving Jerusalem in flight from his treasonous son, Absalom. That evacuation continues here in chapter 16. Do you remember the big break that David gave Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, by bringing this crippled young man to David's table and providing him with the best of everything? Even servants headed up by Ziba. Well... Mephibosheth and Ziba got a big break that day in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1-13. through 13. However, this day, Ziba comes to meet David with supplies for his journey, but with an ulterior motive. He spins a tale of how Mephibosheth has sided with Absalom, and he expects to ascend to the throne of his grandfather Saul, according to Ziba. As it turns out, Ziba's lying. Mephibosheth would later confirm that he remained loyal to David all along. We'll see that when we get over to 2 Samuel chapter 19. But due to his physical disability, remember he was crippled, he was unable to leave without assistance. David, though, believes Ziba here. However, and he hastily decrees that all of Mephibosheth's possessions be given to Ziba in verse 4. Well, when it rains, it pours. Look at verses 5 through 14. And when King David came to Baharim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Girah. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and all in his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. 
The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. Then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And the king said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruiah? So let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look on mine affliction, and the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along on the hillside over against him and cursed as he went, and threw stones at him and cast dust. And the king and all the people that were with him came weary and refreshed themselves there. Well, here's that guy Shimei. His mention in Scripture comes because he's a relative of Saul who obviously feels very strongly that David is an illegitimate king of Israel. Shimei walks alongside David as he's fleeing Jerusalem, throwing rocks at David and cursing him. And he does so for quite a distance. He's very cruel and daring when he says to David, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. Incidentally, while the King James Version frequently translates the Hebrew word Belial as a proper name, in fact, it's a general Hebrew word meaning worthless or wicked. Seeing it capitalized in the King James Version, one might get the impression that it was the name of a pagan god, but not so. Shimei's a gutsy guy, though. David's nephew, Abishai, offers to take him out. But David forbids and allows the man to go on mocking and cursing him even suggest in verse 10 that Shimei is prompted perhaps by Jehovah himself to cry out these insults. David concludes that God will sort it all out. Later on, Shimei would come back to David and apologize, and David would forgive him in 2 Samuel chapter 19. But that's not really the end of it, though. His end would be unpleasant under the reign of David's son and successor, Solomon, and we see that story over in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 46. Meanwhile, Absalom's back in Jerusalem in chapter 16, verses 15 to 23. Verse 15. And Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel with him. And it came to pass when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, was coming to Absalom, that Hushai said unto Absalom, God save the king, God save the king. And Absalom said to Hushai, Is this thy kindness to thy friend? Why winnest thou not with thy friend? And Hushai said unto Absalom, Nay, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his will I be, and with him will I abide. And again, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in thy father's presence, so will I be in thy presence. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. 
And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Go in unto thy father's concubines, which he hath left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred by thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. And the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Absalom, in this passage, rides into Jerusalem and takes over. He even goes and takes David's concubines as his own. Those are the ones that were left behind back in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 to 37. This outrageous deed was done at the council of Ahithophel, who claimed that when the Jerusalem residents saw this master act of rebellion, they would simply assume that Absalom is definitely in and David is definitely out. They considered the spectacle of this horrendous act to be so important that Absalom actually set up a tent on top of David's royal house in which he defiled David's concubines for all Jerusalem to see. Nathan had prophesied that this would happen back in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 11. That was as a result of the sin with Bathsheba. David still reaping the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. By the way, the spy from David, Hushai, that was established back in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 32, that he's a spy for David. Well, he successfully sells himself as loyal to Absalom in this passage. That might present a problem for Absalom later on. Serves him right, don't you agree? Incidentally, we see a reference to how very significant Ahithophel's counsel was regarded in verse 23 when it says in the counsel of Ahithophel, which he counseled in those days, was as if a man had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the counsel of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. Imagine now, here's Ahithophel giving counsel to Absalom that is in direct violation of the Mosaic law, according to Leviticus 18.8 and Leviticus 20, verse 11, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30. And that passage concerns having relationships, sexual relationships, with your father's wives. Now, we're told that it was common practice among kings in that region to demonstrate one's ascension to the throne by hijacking the royal harem. But for Israelites, that was an atrocious act against God's law. Perhaps the obvious needs to be stated here as a rule of thumb. Not everyone who proclaims to speak in the name of God is really speaking in the name of God. Oh, by the way, that's still true today. Many self-proclaimed prophets would have their audiences violate clear scriptural mandates in the name of God. Remember this, if it isn't scriptural, it isn't God's will. Well, who are you going to believe? Look at Second Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Moreover, Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Let me now choose out twelve thousand men, and I will arise and pursue after David this night. And I will come upon him while he was weary, and weak handed, and will make him afraid, and all the people that are with him shall flee, and I will smite the king only. And I will bring back all the people unto thee. The man whom thou seekest is as if all returned, 
so all the people shall be in peace. And the saying pleased Absalom well, and all the elders of Israel. Then said Absalom, Call now Hushai the archite also, and let us hear likewise what he saith. And when Hushai was come to Absalom, Absalom spake unto him, saying, Ahithophel hath spoken after this manner. Shall we do after this saying? If not, speak thou. And Hushai said unto Absalom, The counsel that Ahithophel hath given is not good at this time. For, said Hushai, thou knowest thy father and his men, that they be mighty, and they be chafed in their minds, as a bear robbed of her whelps in the field. And thy father is a man of war, and will not lodge with the people. Behold, he is hid now in some pit, or in some other place. And it will come to pass, when some of them be overthrown at the first, that whosoever heareth it will say, There is a slaughter among the people that follow Absalom. And he also that is valiant, whose heart is as the heart of a lion, shall utterly melt. For all Israel knoweth that thy father is a mighty man, and they which be with him are valiant men. Therefore I counsel that all Israel be generally gathered unto thee, from Dan even unto Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea for multitude, and that thou go to battle in thine own person. So shall we come upon him in some place, where he should be found, and we will light upon him as the dew falleth on the ground, and of him and of all the men that are with him there shall not be left so much as one. Moreover, if he be gotten into a city, then shall all Israel bring ropes to that city, and we will draw it into the river until there be not one small stone found there. And Absalom and all the men of Israel said, The counsel of Hushai the archite is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon Absalom. Then said Hushai unto Zadok and to Abiathar the priest, Thus and thus did Ahithophel counsel Absalom and the elders of Israel, and thus and thus have I counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed by Enrogel, for they might not be seen to come into the city. And a wench went and told them, and they went and told King David. Nevertheless, a lad saw them and told Absalom. But they went both of them away quickly and came to a man's house in Baharim, which had a well in his court, whither they went down. And the woman took and spread a covering over the well's mouth and spread ground corn thereon, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman to the house, they said, Where is Ahimaaz and Jonathan? And the woman said unto them, They be gone over the brook of water. And when they had sought and could not find them, they returned to Jerusalem. And it came to pass after they were departed that they came up out of the well and went and told King David and said unto David, Arise and pass quickly over the water. For thus hath Ahithophel counseled against you. Then David arose and all the people that were with him, and they passed over Jordan. By the morning light there lacked not one of them that was not gone over Jordan. And when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, to his city, and put his household in order and hanged himself and died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Then David came to Mahanaim, and Absalom passed over Jordan. 
he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab, which Amasa was a man's son, whose name was Ithra, an Israelite, that went into Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister to Zeruiah, Joab's mother. So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead. And it came to pass, when David was come to Mahanaim, that Shobai, the son of Nahash of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amael, of Lodabar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite of Ragalim, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat, for they said the people was hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. All right, let's put all this in perspective. Here's Ahithophel, Absalom's main counselor. He's ready to go after David himself and kill him. Remember Hushai in chapter 16, verses 16 through 18? He's the guy who had been counselor with Ahithophel to David. You may recall that David sent him back to Absalom in 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 to 37. And David told him to keep an eye on Absalom and report back through messengers any suspicious activity. He turns out to be the right man in the right place here. Hushai persuades Absalom that Ahithophel's idea of going after David immediately is a, just a, a lousy strategy. Hushai suggests an alternate idea, which serves to give David some time. Absalom adopts Hushai's strategy, good for David, but bad for Absalom. Hushai then sends warning back to David by the priest's son outlining the adopted battle plan. Interestingly enough, Absalom has his own incidental spy who sees the messengers. They have to be hidden in a well to prevent capture by Absalom's men. Ahithophel takes the rejection of his battle plan really, really hard here, and he hangs himself in verse 23. Now, verse 4 is a little disturbing in this passage where we see that all the elders of Israel sided with Absalom. A crowd will turn on you in a heartbeat. And their leaders, too. You know what I mean? Way too many people follow the crowd rather than God. So here's the situation. Absalom is now following a flawed battle plan laid out by David's loyal counselor, Hushai. What's more, Hushai is able to get advanced warning back to David. So here's Absalom, headed for disaster and doesn't even realize it. Oh, one more item of interest here in verse 25. Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab. Of course, Joab remained faithful to David in exile. Both were nephews of David. So when this is all over, will Joab be rewarded for his faithfulness to David? And will Amasa be executed as a traitor? Nope. In a political move, David allows Amasa, the traitor, to remain over Israel's army when we get over to 2 Samuel chapter 19, verses 9-15. through 15. But he doesn't hold the position very long before his cousin Joab disposes of him in 2 Samuel chapter 20. Does it seem to you that David's family might have been a little, uh, you know, uh, dysfunctional? Well, in chapter 18, I love this story, we see that long hair kills. Chapter 18, verse 1. 
And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us, neither if half of us die will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us, therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best I will do? And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And and Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee, and Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldst have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand, and thrust them in through the heart of Absalom, while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet, and the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him, and all Israel fled, every one to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale, for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's place. Well, here we see that David's ready to go to battle with his troops. But Joab convinces David to stay back. That's a very good idea since the death of David is Absalom's only objective. David's objective is a little fuzzy here, based upon his orders to his generals in verse 5. Here's what he says, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. What's David thinking? Verse seven's amazing to me. It says, The servants of David are fighting against Israel. 
Some 20,000 Israeli soldiers having attacked David's servants are killed that day. It seems that Absalom's army was ill-equipped to fight in the forest. Verse 8, Then for the big kill, the death of Absalom himself. Absalom was no ordinary person, and he needed a special way to die. I think you'd agree with that. He's riding on his mule. That's right, a mule. And his hair gets caught in a tree as he goes under it. No, no, not a horse, a mule. A slow, slow mule, one like royalty rides, the luxury transportation vehicle in those days. The scripture simply reports that his head was caught, but Jewish tradition, according to Josephus, maintained that he was caught there by his long hair, an extra-scriptural explanation that, if true, might explain why Absalom was not able to extract himself from this predicament. So Absalom's hanging there in his vulnerability. One of David's troops sees him, but he's reluctant to kill him after hearing David's expression of love for him prior to the battle in verse 12. Perhaps he also remembers what David did to the guy who tried to take responsibility for Saul's death back in 2 Samuel chapter 1. So he goes back and tells Joab, who's not reluctant at all. Joab, he wasn't afraid of David. An impression is given here that some time passed while Absalom was stuck in that tree. I know what to bring him down, reasons Joab. Darts. Joab takes three spears and pierces Absalom's heart and then lets three men finish him off. Whether David realizes or not, the only good Absalom is a dead Absalom, given the fact that Absalom's goal in life was David's overthrow and death. So in chapter 18, verses 19 to 33, here we see that David gets the good news and the bad news. Verse 19, Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, Let me now run and bear the king's tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings ready? But howsoever, said he, let me run. And he said unto him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain, and overran Cushai. And David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof over the gate and to the wall, and lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, there is tidings in his mouth. And he came apace and drew near. And the watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He's a good man, and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, 
Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, and me thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Well, here in this very touching story, Ahimaaz, the son of the high priest Zadok, is really excited over the death of Absalom, and he can't wait to share the news with David. Joab declines to let him go, but opts to send a slave as a messenger instead. Why? Well, I suspect Job recalled how poorly David had received the news of Saul's death back in 2 Samuel chapter 1. He just wanted to be careful with the life of the high priest's son. After the Cushite takes off with the news to David, Ahimaaz convinces Joab to allow him to take the news also. Joab finally agrees. Ahimaaz passes the slave and makes it to David first. He must have learned something from Joab, though. He only gives him the good news. David, you're not a fugitive anymore. The battle's over. Then David asks the big question in verse 29. He says, and the king said, is the young man Absalom safe? What? How can David possibly show concern for the safety of the man who plotted his death? I don't know. Looks like the priest's son, Ahimaaz, might have chickened out on answering that question. Uh, looks like he lied. He must have reasoned. Let's leave that bit of news for the Cushite to deliver. So the slower-running Cushite shows up almost immediately after Ahimaaz with the news. And here's the news. Absalom's dead. David then goes into a grievous mourning session over his dead son. And this story continues in 2 Samuel chapter 19. But we won't be reading that until July the 5th. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton. 